Jay and Lexi are super good friends of ours who've had a major impact on not just us, but hundreds of people and couples in the South Orange County area. They've openly shared their story of Jay's 1,000 pain pills a month opiate addiction and how they almost got divorced to finding true recovery in the 12 steps. Jay and Lexi are sharing their story today with us, as well as dropping wisdom about using the 12 steps to save their marriage and how they continue to use the 12 steps to have an incredibly happy marriage and life together. All right, tonight we are here with our very good friends, Jay and Lexi. They're kind of like celebrities. No, we're not. You guys are kind of a big deal around here. Definitely not a celebrity. (laughs) Jay wishes (laughs) wishes he was a celebrity. Jay kind of is a celebrity. They are. It's a long lost dream to be an actor. We've talked about you guys on the podcast. I don't know if you know that. No. Because I don't know if you listen to our podcast. I listen to the, well. It's okay if you don't. It's okay. Yes. I listen to one. Okay. Well, anyway, it is our true honor to have you guys on the podcast tonight. We're honored. And Jay and Lexi, truly, if we're just like all joking aside, have had a major impact on our lives, on mine and Neil's life. Life's life. Yeah. Whatever. And One life. Combined. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag codependent. Anyway. <laughs> That's so Jay and Lexi are going to start off by just telling us who they are and what their story is and we're to and tonight we're going to talk about how the steps can affect your marriage for for good so but you guys go ahead and give us the spiel you want me to start it yeah sure my name is alexis merrifield and i'm from tehachapi california no just kidding no so yeah me and jay we knew each other we were friends for a long time before we actually got married some would call it friends with benefits I think that's like what it's called but um <laughs> I was actually I <laughs> was actually in love with someone else and so yeah we we were just kind of friends he totally like screwed me over we do not have like the fairy tale like get together story and so I didn't talk to him for like a year and then he like reached out to me on Facebook after like this whole thing went down and I was like hating on him and he's like hey what's up and then I like responded and then we started talking and he basically said like, yeah, I think we should date for real. And I was like laughing at him because I'm like, you think you love everybody? You're crazy. And he was like, no, seriously, like we should for sure date. And I'm like, uh, okay. I had a spiritual I'll- witness yeah. given to me <laughs> while standing in my gym shorts in the middle. Of and he did the whole snow. like pray about it thing. And I was like, talking to her on the phone. On the like, spot. Did you do a pray about it? Yeah. No, I do. I flat out. Cause yeah. like me and Lexi have been friends for about four or five years. I joined the church when I was 19. We met around that that first year somewhere in there when I started going to the singles ward. I joined a family ward. So I went to the singles ward, went on like the snowboarding trip. And there was Lexi. She was into my buddy's older brother that I had met there. And um, we were just really good friends. And my mom always told me that like out of all the girls you've ever brought over, I remember her saying this once we started hanging out quite a bit on and off. You you know, you need to marry your best friend. One, One, that was her always advice. And then number two was like, oh, why don't you bring that girl Lexi around? Like she was the best. She was the coolest out of all of them. And uh, you're the happiest with her. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And uh, then <laughs> Lexi had moved to Hawaii after this guy. And the guy dumped her um, when he graduated. Right? That's, nice. that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, um, it was a real on and off thing. Yeah. Yeah. He dumped you. And then all of a sudden, I uh, I had this, like, epiphany. Like, I, I went up to Provo to uh, start over, start anew. I wasn't in, I didn't go to BYU, but all my friends did. So here I am in P-Town and hanging out with all these people and trying to the dating scene there. And I just got work. And uh, all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, dude, that my mom's voice. I was like, man, me and Lexi really have been through a lot. And 
I commented on one thing she posted on Facebook and she actually responded because she hadn't responded to me in like any of my calls in over a year. And, uh, <laughs> which was, it was way overblown for you're sensitive. It's okay. That's a and different story for another, a whole other different story. Anyways. So she responded, we got on the phone. I said, listen, Lex, everything you've been in your life, this is how it was, it was clear in my mind. Everything you've been through in your life and everything I've been through in my life is perfect for each other. Like we have, we have strengths that the other one doesn't have weaknesses. The other one have. And I know that every like you just want someone to love you and I want someone to love me. And I think we could be that for each other. And she's like, yeah, you're nuts. Like, yeah, you talk to everyone. And I'm like, no, I know that for sure. I admit it. But I'm like, just I literally meant this in the most genuine way, not knowing that that's like a woman thing to pray about it. Right. Because I've been remember for a few years. At that point. But like, but I did say that I was like, just pray about it. Because like, I, I don't want to date for joking anymore. Like if we're going to hook, if we're going to date, we're going to go all the way. Like we're going to see if we're right for each other to get married. And sure enough, dude, she called me in a week and she's like, you're stupid. All right. Like, I'll, I'll buy a ticket home. She comes home from Hawaii. We connect, had the best. We were like, we never left each other's side. Then we, we ended up getting married after like a year of being with each other. About eight months, nine months of being together. And yeah. So this is in California or Utah uh, or where? No, I went out came, to Hawaii to be with her. He like She said she wouldn't sold, move for a guy. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm not moving anywhere anymore for somebody. So if you really want to date me, then you'll move to Hawaii. And he like literally bought a ticket two weeks later and yeah. was like out I there. I sold my contract in Utah just knowing, like burning the ships, you know? Like just if you go all in, you'll make it happen because there's no backup plan. And, day, right? <laughs> and so. So it was kind of like serious, like right off the bat. Because it was like, whoa, he's coming out here. Like Hawaii's far yeah. from the mainland. So it was like, he's it's totally cool. coming out here to like date me. So we just dated seriously, like right off the bat. We did. And then, and then of course, just like every relationship, like yeah, by the black pearl, by the black pearl, it was filming. Um, Utah. I'm, okay. I'm like a super pirates yeah. fan. And so it was, it was super cool. I tried to get a song, but be. I couldn't, but it was, it was right totally there. Meant to be, you know? <laughs> it was totally meant to be. So and anyways, then, and then, so we just like everyone, like, you know, we, we, I had this plan. I was like, okay, we're engaged. I was, not knowing where I was going to go with my life, but I, I was in construction and I hated that. And that's what I had been doing. There's nothing wrong with construction. It was just, I'm very, I'm, I'm like a baby when it comes to like, <laughs> like, I look manly in a sense, but I'm not manly at all. And I am definitely not like, I don't look manly tonight, but maybe I, so anyways, you know what I mean? Compared to the Polynesians I was working no, with. No, no, I, it's, you don't have to explain. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So I was, I just, a, a friend of mine at BYU hand, in BYU hands me this book, says you should read it. It's Rich Dad Poor Dad. I read it cover to cover in the BYU library, smelling like construction in my work boots. And I like folded it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to quit my job. And I call Lexi and I'm like, hey, we're going to move. We're going to get married in the temple. We're going to move to Utah and go to LDS Business College. I have no college credits, barely graduated high school. And uh, this is what we're going to do. You know, like I had all these plans. And she's like, you, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we're doing. So it literally happened. And uh, I was, uh, we got married and we left. We became like, we had an interesting experience. Like most young couples, we kind of had some mess ups um, when we were engaged. And a bishop kind of real talked us right before we went home to California from Hawaii. And he said, if you guys really want to get married in the temple worthily, you're not going to be able to like make out or even like kiss or anything. And uh, I was like, whoa, that's intense. Like we're very passionate people. <laughs> and uh, so that was like intense to hear like not even kiss. Like can I kiss goodnight? Because hey, and he even said like in a little like Hawaiian accent, like, hey, bro, if you guys want to get married in the town, you know, like you talk this like that. He's like, you'll do what you need to do. And we looked at each other we're like, all right, let's do it. And the next four months before we got sealed, we or six months, I think it was six months. We just became like best We were best friends. friends. Yeah, like we didn't. We didn't do. We didn't. It wasn't home. like a physical thing. Actually. We became well, best friends. And Neil and I got, were kind of the same yeah. too. Like we kind of had to do. And there's a lot of people that listen to my podcast who are not members of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yeah, gotcha. And 
So they might be confused about why, yeah. like, your spiritual leader is telling you you can't kiss <sighs> your... But oh, it's yeah. basically that, like, if you want to get married in the temple in our church, oh. you have to live at a very high standard where you're not committing... Keeping yourself, sexually like, sexually pure, pure yeah. before. And no that is... before marriage. Yep. And that's hard if yeah. you're, like, engaged and you know couple. you love that in your, person. In your yeah. 20s, you're, like... Oh, yeah. yeah. And you and you know you're going to spend forever with yeah. them. Yeah. That's so like, hard. Oh. So, but, like, I think that's commendable. That's cool that you guys did that. So we did that, and, and we had the most amazing time. Summer, got married, moved right up to Utah. We didn't waste any time. Got into school. And as soon as I got into school, I felt, of course, inadequate because of, of just my, like, story. I, I barely graduated high school, and that's kind of where our life started to take a toll. Like, it went from this really spiritual, intense relationship to... I think I needed some drugs to like do school. I think you know, I have all these kids around Adderall. It was just reality. It was yeah. just like we were first like newly married and then I got pregnant way fast. Within and then months. he's like doing school. It's just like a lot, you know. Within two months? Within yeah, a month, I think. I think. Oh, like, yeah. September by November, you were, it said you were. Yeah, like two months. You told me wow. on Thanksgiving. Yeah, like, around it was that like time. fast. And, and that wasn't planned. Well. I mean. <laughs> anyways it wasn't like i in my mind i'm like oh it'll take time you know yeah so it wasn't like i yeah. thought and so i got was. on i got on um adderall <clears throat> like right away with school and that changed everything like real quickly at first of course made me perform at a high rate even higher rate i was already doing really well mm -hmm. but now i took it to another level of intensity and um as well as like you know, muscle relaxers i had an injury in my neck and so i had all these excuses and this that and the other and within within the next 12 months like not even within the next eight months after marriage like fully like addicted to you know not only adderall muscle relaxers prescription drugs opiates painkillers and our marriage was like falling apart and i didn't even really realize so give me like a rundown of like a day what does that look like for an addict like a day like you from like sun up to sundown like how frequent how much are you taking what are you taking yeah it started from one adderall like the doctor told me to like to quadrupling it so like four a day and then the muscle relaxer was one a day if needed to like five a day, like real quickly. And then, and then when I was, I really was looking for like help with my neck. I had all this pain in my arm and my neck, probably from construction, surfing, jujitsu, whatever I had done in my like life. And so I thought I was going to get these MRIs and they were going to find like, oh, you need surgery and the pain's going to go away. Being so immature at 25, like thinking that, oh, when you have physical ailment, they'll fix it and it'll go away. Mm -hmm. So I went and had all these tests done and I'll never forget the doctor in Draper, Utah, who, who was an you know, LDS doctor in one of our faith. And I sat in front of him and he said, well, MRIs come back. Like I see you have nerve damage, but there's not really a much we can do. So I can put you on a nerve medicine, which I've read the stats on those and there's like a lifetime prescription and it didn't sound right. So he said, if you don't want to do that, I can just write you some opiates. What do you want? And he had his pin and pad out and he was kind of like, it was kind of like this like free opportunity. And, I'd had some pill problems in the past. And so that was kind of like this. I knew I was at the fork of the road. That was like a green light. I, could, I, I couldn't believe a doctor was sitting in front of me again saying, what do you need, bud? You know, and then the other half of me is like, you have a baby on the way. Like, you can't do this. But then I, the other part of my brain is like, I'm in a lot of pain. And I'm like trying to do the right thing. We're going to the temple every week. We're serving our callings. Like, we were so spirit. Like, so we we're gung-ho. I mean, we we're newlyweds. We were on fire. Like we chose to live the gospel. We didn't have to. And we were choosing to live the way we believed. And so when a doctor's sitting in front of you, but I had that inclination that was a fork and I, I took it and I took the prescription and it, it all fell apart pretty quick. Within the next four months, I was probably taking 30 or 40 pills a day. Um, so 
soon as I wake up two or three of that concoction, upper downer, like uh, uh, opiate and all the way to the end of the night till I slur my words and fall asleep. And there was like a period of time too where I knew, so like I was cleaning the bathroom one day and I found this like huge bottle and I like looked in it and it was like 140 Vicodin. And I remember before, oh Percocet, I remember before I called him, I was going to flush it down the toilet and I didn't. And I remember thinking like, I should just flush these down the toilet. There's no reason why he should have this many. And then I called him and he totally like freaked out on me. And he's like, like, you know, basically you can't get rid of those. And so then after that, I got like really scared. But at that point, I didn't think I had a choice. I was just kind of like a victim. Well, nothing even fell apart yet. So yeah, and I'm like, I'm pregnant. And And at this point, these doctors are prescribing you 140. Yeah, on the first visit, he prescribed me. I believe it was even more than that. I believe it was like almost 300 um, Percocet and uh, 300 Valium, 300 pills of Valium. Wow. It was a whole supply for like six, like most, the average person would have been like three months. But you blew through it how fast? It was gone within two weeks or something. Oh my gosh. Okay. Then what? And then I, then I had to go back. And then or I, you have to make excuses to like ERs or yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He would like go to ER visits, just like random. So. Yeah. It got, it got so out of control so quick that within four months, Rusty's born. You know, our first son is born. Um, and uh, I was fully, like, on pills that day. I remember it. and uh, But I wasn't fully gone. Like, of course, I still remember. It was the greatest day of my life, for sure. But I still remember, like, a part of me going, like, oh, you need to get off of this. Like, it's getting out of control real quick. You need to calm down. I, I, drugs are interesting, like anything else. They don't, in the beginning, for most people, they they work. That's mm-hmm. why they're so luring. I mean, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, all these things that Hollywood portrays and the world portrays for us they work if they didn't work none of them they wouldn't no be you, you, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. do it but they work until they don't and that's what happened they worked in the beginning i was operating already with a lot of energy and now it's 10 times that so of course why wouldn't you do that right i didn't drink it why drink an energy drink Just take this pill and it's 10 times what an energy drink can do until all of a sudden one day i woke up and i took that same amount and it didn't work mm-hmm. so then finally i believe me and lexi had like a serious like so I think I got into BYU Hawaii. I can't remember. Something yeah. changed where it was like, I need to get off these. I need to cha- make a change. So, of course, not knowing about the 12th, telling our bishop. Remember, had me yeah, that bishop and Draper. The came over and Mission. came on blessing. Yeah, and we just flushed him down the toilet. Like, had no idea about the 12-step meeting. No one told us about that. My mom came home. My mom came to help with me and the baby while he was, like, detoxing Detox for 12 room. days, at least two weeks of, like, fevering and, and shaking. And, like, everything you see in the movie, delusions, like, so at this point, like people knew because like my mom came to help me and mm-hmm. she knew like what he was. But no one was really talking. Sick, why he was sick. No one know? once said you're an addict. Like Those terms no. never came out. And I obviously needed help. And like, nobody was, came to you and not even me was like, hey, you need help. Like you're being crazy. I just was like, no one was well, I got married in the temple friends. and I'm just going to like suffer through this. And this is my lot now. That's like literally what I thought. It was kind of a bummer because we hung out with another. We had a lot of people there who were all members of our faith. And they were all good friends, and I'm sure they were just intimidated by my energy. But like, no one. <laughs> I, I wish someone would have said something. Intimidated by your energy. <laughs> yeah, I wish someone would have said something because, like, obviously I was not doing good, and I didn't see that though. Like, I was completely denial. Like, complete, not even denial. It, there was no, no one was questioning. Not even awareness. Me. Right? Yeah, this is just now part of my life. This is what I need. Some people need insulin. I need these opiates. Right. Yeah, That's funny. how I looked at it. It was like this guy has. This guy's a PhD. You know, he's an MD. I mean. He writes me this. I need it. So anyone else who tells me I don't, good luck. Yeah, you don't know what it's like to live with this. 
mm-hmm. right? And then once you're on it, you're just delusional. So I, I we flush it all down the, the the toilet. I detox for two weeks. We go out to BYU thinking that if we move uh, BYU Hawaii, which is a great thing, and get into this university all on my own with grades, and it's awesome, right? And that's a big accomplishment. Thinking also too that if we moved, then we'd get what we need. You know, like a certain. You know, you hear a lot of if I move here, I'll be happy. If I do this, I'll yeah. be happy. Yep. And so we like try to kind of start a new yeah. like, chasing yeah, the next thing. Yeah, totally. And we're like, oh, we'll go back to where we're from. We're both surf, like where we got engaged, and like this will be fun. We, you know, we're both surfers. This will be great. We have this baby. And we went out there, and within a week or two, no one told me that when you flush that amount of opiates out of your system, your brain needs time to like get this chemistry back. Like, you know what I mean? I was, I, I, I fell into a deep depression, which is totally normal. Like, it's a totally, like, it's a brain. No one cannot fall into that if you have that many opiates. You're just, you're just throwing down in the toilet. And I had more ADD because I flushed the pills, the, the Adderall that I've been taking for months down the toilet. So, I get to Hawaii and I just, within a few weeks of being in school, Gets I knew I'm done. And I told her, I mean, we got in this big fight, I said, babe, I have to have these now. Like, I just, this is part of my life. Like, I can't function without them. I'm depressed. I'm like that. Like, and I, no one, once again, we had no, we were going to church. It's not like we were away for, you know, isolating from other people. I wanted to be me again. And I felt so not me off of them that I'm like, and I don't, you know, when you're high, you don't know who you are, how you're acting. So I'm like, in my mind, the happiness was on them. This is horrible all without them. And look at how I'm acting. I'm not even helping around the house. And I was pretty functional. And now I'm really dysfunctional. And um, I just felt like really trapped. Like I knew marriage was not supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I felt so trapped. I was so unhappy. And by this time, I'm already getting to the point where I'm like already starting to hate him. Like there's so much resentment. There's so much hate. I don't really lo- like being even around him. But it's like, I don't know we don't know what to do. So yeah. we just keep doing what we just keep living this life, you know? Yeah. And so then it got to the point where the addiction even got worse and we moved again and he did summer sales and then the addiction got even worse. And I was like, I wanted to, I finally, that was like the first time I think I said I wanted to separate or I wanted a divorce, but didn't happen. You know, he, you do the whole thing where you're like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to like, which was serious. I'm like, get clean. She finally did voice it. We had moved again from Hawaii. Like now things doubled down. Like the, the drug went out of control. Like I was taking almost a hundred pills a day of wow. six different wow. types of prescription, you know? So it's not like all opiates. He it was, was just a bunch of different like things. So my, person. yeah, I was completely, he was not. completely bi- like bipolar doesn't even describe what I was like. I was, I don't even know. I don't remember most of that time. And, uh, she did say like, no, I want, if you're either going to get clean once again, no, like 12 steps. No, none of us know what that is. Like at this point, you really don't. We're just saying like, stop, just got to stop. stop. And I'm like, Take okay, uh, you're right. You're right. And I like yep. broke down. I'm going to do this. I cried. I need to do this. Did the same thing. Detox flushed everything. I knew how to quit. You just flush them. Anyone can quit. It's how you stay quit. <laughs> how do you stay sober? How you stay sober, right? And so we did that, went to her parents' house and man, I'll remember within seven to 14 days. I'm like, nope. This is not working. And I didn't say anything because now I now it had been voiced, right? So I have to hide this now. Well, before it was out in the open. So I went right to the we moved back to Utah once again, trying to do school, trying to progress in life. Now we're pregnant with our second kid. And I go right to the urgent care and got pills. And it was within a few weeks she found them. And, and then literally I had no idea. I thought our marriage was doing so much better, like so delusional. Like this is how addicts are, right? We're living another reality. And uh I'll never forget it because uh, I really did think our marriage was so much better. Like 
I, I, in my mind, I thought it was as good as it is today. Well, you have crazy. to realize like the kind of person I am. I'm not like a voicer. So I just, I literally like lost who I was. So I just kind of went silent. Like I, I didn't really talk to him and I didn't really talk to anybody because I didn't know who to talk to about it. And I didn't want people to hate him. I didn't want my family to hate him. So yeah. I never like voiced like how much I actually hated him until like we went to counseling and he like read a letter that I wrote to him. And yeah, I but think- so, but before that, you like, I was so self absorbed that I didn't know that, number one, no. like not at all. Like, and one, I put our new baby, I, I put Rusty down to go to sleep and the, the new baby's in literally, she's due within a couple months. I go to give her a kiss goodnight, like Lexi, and I tell you, I love her. And she, I'll never forget, even as high and sedated as I must have been, knowing my regimen of pills, I never forget the look of her face was pure disgust, like almost like she watched me commit an awful crime. Like, you know what I mean? Like the look in her face yeah. was like, whoa. I'm like, I'm not even thinking. Man. Y'all have seen that look before. <laughs> yeah, I did, right? More times than I cared. <laughs> than you cared. And, but that's was a trip. Yeah, in my mind, yeah. I'm thinking everything's good. I'm like, wait, what? I'm, I'm like, and I kind of look at her and she just goes, I hate, these are the only thing that came out of her mouth. There was no big scene. It's no dramatic. It was just, I hate you and I want a divorce. And that spun me into a, I being the dramatic and, person i am on top of it today you know he went crazy we felt went crazy i literally went nuts and i went through it and we separated it took about a month but we finally separated and she went and moved back to her parents house and i moved to my we you know, we got this kid now who's almost two and another one coming and uh she agreed that we passed him back and forth our one and a half year old that was the only way that you would like commit to moving home like Utah. being separated is if we shared rusty so i just said yes because yeah well, i, I just wanted to like kid. be away from him yeah and i moved back to my mom's house and slept on her couch with her dog my mom's single and um and it i was went back to tehachapi good old t-town <laughs> with my parents <laughs> high desert and uh, uh it was a uh, it was i was in such a delusional like once again it was all her fault i'm, I'm like why me, poor victim, telling everyone this is crazy, you know, what is going on? And everyone's asking me because now I'm back in my hometown. So people are like, where's Lex, right? <laughs> I'm still going to church. Once again, never went inactive, right? So when you show up to church, your wife's not there. Everyone sees you on Instagram, Facebook. Where is she? Um, it, was, it got weird. And then when we couldn't even talk, it went, it, we were, ended up being separated for so many months that I was just like, all right, it's fine. I, we're never going to probably get back together. And luckily, I had a friend when I moved back was also struggling with pills. It's the first time I was invited to a 12-step meeting. And, uh, um, you know, I'm skipping a lot of details, but the one, <laughs> he just brought me to this meeting and he said, hey, listen, there's a group of guys and one girl that are just like us. And I was like, yeah, bro, like, I'm, I'm not an addict. You are. I, this is how delusional I was. I was like, here, I'm sleeping on my mom's couch. This guy's single. No one left him. Like, I'm, I'm the one who's got Your wife wants my... a divorce and you are like, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm broke as a joke, spiritually, mentally, physically, temporally, all the whole thing. Right. And my buddy's like to just come with me. And I'm like, first thing in my mind. All right, I'll go. And it's pure manipulation. It's going to get back to her that I'm trying. And then I'll, maybe this is my shot to get her back. So of course I went, I went high. Um, I remember thinking, what is this? I sat in this room in our church, you know, that we mm-hmm. all go to, and it's a 12 step meeting, as you've probably talked about on the podcast before. And I was, once again, judging everyone in the room, 
these people are burnouts and this, that, and the other. Everyone turns out we're sober for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my buddy who came were the only ones not sober. <laughs> and, and yet here I'm judging everyone. It's the best part. Best That's part fun. about it. And uh, You but, always spot those newcomers. Like raddest oh. people too. Yeah, like some, like I, that's why I let, you know, when these newcomers come in and they break down, they're like, I want to do help. I'm like, dude, you have, you have no idea how much further ahead than you, you, you are than where I was when I walked in. Because it took yeah. months of going. And then finally, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter. The fact that you got in the door. Exactly. And then finally, like I think she just kept not talking to me. You know, we just barely small talk, nothing. That finally, I went in there, and some a, a friend of all of ours uh, shared about how she hit like her second year of sobriety. She got her kid back in full custody, and I was like, I can do this. Like I have, a, I know I have a problem. I admitted that night I had, I was an addict. I needed help. And uh, if she wasn't going to come back, I, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be the father I never had because I didn't have a dad. And so I was like, I'm going to I'm going to do this for them. And uh, that was the first night I like took that commitment. And it's, it was crazy, just like everything else in life. As soon as I let go of control, everything started to come back in my life. And, and of course, not all at once. But as soon as I let go, even just mentally, things started to work out. And and I have to say something about that same night that he's talking about. So, like he said, we literally, like, could not talk without fighting. And at this point in my head, I'm, like, selfish. I'm, like, I don't care if our kids have to go back and forth. I don't even know what this new baby, how it's going to work out. But, like, I'm getting a divorce. Like, I'm done. And so it was interesting because that night we had a conversation for some reason. Either it was, like, about Rusty or I don't even remember what it was about. But he called me and I actually answered and we had this conversation and it was probably like a 10 minute conversation, like the longest conversation we had had since we split up. And he no was like calm. He was like collected. It was like the person that had been missing for so long for like, what, three years yeah. at this point. I was like, whoa, that was like weird. And we like kind of got along. And for me, that was like the first moment where I was like, maybe. Like there was like a slight chance at this point where I was like, maybe I, maybe this could be okay. Mm -hmm. Like that was like my only thought. And then we got off the phone and I remember thinking he like told me the story about this girl and how she got her family back. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, told my mom that night. I'm like, I don't know. He just sounds like good and happy and he sounds like calm and he just sounds like a different person. And so that was like the first time I had thought that there could be a chance and like maybe I wouldn't get a divorce. And I had actually had the spirit whisper to me to not go through with it. Like it wasn't like a loud voice. It wasn't like it was just just wait. It wasn't even like no or yes. It was like just wait because I had like the papers and everything. I had like a lawyer. I was like about ready to give these papers to him. And then so like I think a month after this conversation, we ended up seeing each other because we were like dropping, doing the drop off with Rusty and he was going to have Rusty get babysat. And I was like, no, like I'm not going to have my baby get babysat by someone. I don't know when I can just come. Right. And I could just come watch my child myself. And he was like, well, that's how it's going to be if we get a divorce. And then after that, I was like, oh man, like this is like things I had thought about, but then they were like coming to reality. So it was like Mm -hmm. freaking me out. And so he was like, okay, well you come down here and you like can on watch my week with the right kid, you know? like it was his week you can come down watch rusty during the day and at night i'll take him and you can stay at my aunt's house and so it was crazy because like we that night for- yeah we hadn't like actually sat with each other for probably like four months mm-hmm. and 
So I like came down. I knew I was going to be staying with his aunt. So I like came down. It was like super awkward. I like walked through the door and it was like night. It was like late at night because it's like a three hour drive from Tatchby to Whittier. And like the aunt and uncle were like, oh my gosh, looks happy to see you. Like Rusty's already sleeping. She's fully pregnant. Like I'm like probably six months pregnant, six or seven months pregnant. And they like walk upstairs and then it's just me and Jay sitting on the couch, like silent with the TV on. (laughs) you know and at this point he actually did have sobriety he had like maybe two months months, or two two or three months months. and so like we're just sitting there and he's kind of like not saying anything which is definitely not like him and i'm just like okay this is so weird and then we start talking and we ended up like talking the entire night and i actually had like a really cool spiritual experience where i was like able to see like (laughs) i'm gonna cry (laughs) But um, I was able to see Jay through, like, God's eyes. And for someone that, like, hated a person was, like, so much passion, I actually had been, like, praying to feel love for him. And, like, I knew that night when I felt that love for him, like, I knew that was, like, God's sign to me. And I knew after that, like, we would work it out and we would stay together. And so... I think like a couple weeks later, we kind of did that like scenario for a little while where I like stayed while he went to work. And then we kind of had to like warm up our families to the idea of like us being back together because so much stuff had gone down. So yeah. So like we got back together, like I think two or three weeks later. Yeah, we never really left the church side. No, after that, it was like we knew that like everything was going to be okay. And things were definitely not perfect. But we start, we like went to marriage counseling and then we attended the ARP meetings, which were like an hour away from where we were living. Cause we would drive from Whittier all the way to San Clemente to go to ARP meetings together. So like two hour drive <clears throat> traffic like around five o'clock. And even right. after LA, we had, and like even after babies, we had the right. baby, yeah, we went, his mom would watch both like of our kids. And like a one, one week old, two, like as soon as she was, the thing is I took Lexi, what, by the way, I was not at this point still sure I was going to stay sober. I just was sober. And you know what I mean? I was just like, I hear also my wife's back. Like that was no manipulation. Like I wasn't talking because I finally had realized like how big of a schmuck I was. I'm like, if I open my mouth, I'm going to ruin this, you know? Like, (laughs) and so, but I didn't really know how I had no tools still at this point. I'm just attending. I'm attending the meetings and finally admitting I have a problem. Mm -hmm. That's it. And which is amazing for someone like me. So Mm -hmm. that worked a lot for a while until eventually it didn't. I took Lexi to one meeting and, and not everyone's experience is this way. Mine wasn't that way. Um, and if it was, it, honestly, if she didn't have this experience, I probably wouldn't be sober today because she went to one meeting and instantaneously the resentments she had for me, which probably still were there at some point, right? To a degree, of course they were. She saw me and these other people like that were sharing in this 12 step meeting. And, and she's talked about this where she just was like, oh, you didn't do this to me. Like this is, you weren't doing this because of me. Like, you know what I mean? It was nothing personal. I think that meeting for me was so eye-opening because it was like for the first time after dealing with his addiction for like two or three years, for the first time I could actually see like what addiction was. It wasn't personal to me. 
But it was because like in my mind, it's like, if you love me, just stop. If you love mm-hmm. Rusty or even if you don't even love me anymore, just stop for our children or whatever it was. But it was yeah, like. I've used that line before too. Yeah. It doesn't work. But it's but it's like for the first time I could see like it wasn't him. It was like the whole time it was the addiction. It's not Jay. It's the addiction. And I think I I kind of understood like what it not fully, but I totally had a new understanding of You're addiction. Pumped. You're pumped. Like we left and, and she was just like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, oh, crap. <laughs> that whole drive home, I'm thinking, because now she wants, she's, she even said, we're going every week. And I'm thinking, oh, shoot. I just loved it. You, you know, but at the time, like, realistically, inside, I wasn't fully bought in yet. Right. That's like, exactly I'm, how I was. A lot of work, man. I'm to do all these things. <laughs> Talking about 12 steps. I'm going to have to do an inventory. I'm going to get honest. <laughs> apologize. Serious. Like, hey, I'm, I'm sober. Isn't that good enough for everyone? Like, you know, and uh, and that's literally, I mean, here we are six and a half years later, and uh, a lot has happened. But uh, if my, the, you know, the start, our new life, it took someone finally willing to have a backbone and get honest and and love me enough to tell me that I have a problem and that it was not okay for me to treat people that way. If Lexi did, yeah, she said, I hate you on a divorce, but that was the catalyst that set every, if no one was willing to do that, everyone would have kept loving me to death. You know what I mean? (laughs) Including her. Like when she finally did it, it was enough to pierce through this massive 500 layer deep ego that like, oh my gosh, Lexi loves everyone. And now she's (laughs) saying she hates me and meaning it. This is not a fight. This is like, no, I'm done. I don't have nothing to cry about. I've lost all, you know, I've already shed the tears. And so anyways, and uh, we just plugged in, man. We went all in and I was scared and I didn't know what to do. But we just eventually just dove in and did the whole program the way it's supposed to be done. And there were, it, it was not as easy. It took me a whole year and a half to do the steps and a lot of ego still, a lot of like, a lot of all the emotions that go, you know, I got two kids. Now we're in Orange County. We have school debt. What am I doing now with life? How am I going to provide for us? We're now living with my family. How are we going to get on our own? There were so many questions. All that we knew is we loved each other and we're sober. And that was huge for us. We weren't fighting. We didn't <laughs> fight at all. Like that first couple of years, like it was pretty amazing. And uh, mainly because my ego was so blowed that like I was just on eggshells. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm a schmuck. Like for the first time in my life, I realized how big a phony I was in everything, not just with drugs. It was my, everything that we, we make, you know, in our brain, our subconscious that protects us, right? So, you know, supposedly, but really it, it digs holes. And uh, I'd finally been awakened to like who I really was and who all the things I'd really done. That was a hard thing to look at every morning, like to wake up and start having these flashbacks of all these things that I, I had done throughout my life. Because I'm a convert, like I said, I did a lot of bad things when I was a kid and um, hurt a lot of people. And anyways, it was just, I had this, here I had the second chance. Again, you know, so like a fifth chance, like in life, <laughs> not with Lexi, but with me in life, like being able to live again. And um, you're like kind of like the cat from the woods. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm on. I think I used my last one, so I'm, that's why we've been going strong since. part that I feel like is such a vital piece of the puzzle too for like connecting your story and ours is that because you guys are who you are and you did what you did with the 12 steps and and then you were willing to break anonymity which is like a completely different conversation for another day but because you did that you created this culture of ARP um, and that's the addiction recovery program whatever the 12 step program in our church and just spread this message like wildfire 
throughout all of South Orange County. And there, what started out with what you mentioned was a meeting with like what five or six dudes and one girl girl. and that's what neil showed up to as well when we first moved Mm -hmm. to this area five years ago is now has now turned into a huge meeting every night of the week and and now there are multiple meetings on some of those nights really literally there was one meeting and now there are multiples every night of the week and they're packed these meetings are packed full of people who need this solution. And so it's so cool because you guys have helped change so many lives. And that, and like when you do work for, I think sometimes people don't realize too, like when you do work on yourself and you change yourself, you feel like you're just changing yourself, but you don't realize the impact you possibly could have on so many other totally. people that you're going to end up serving and helping and so that's just something that I know Neil and I are super grateful for. I never would have showed up to the meetings if it weren't for Lexi. Although I didn't Lexi really like Lexi at first. Well, she was a little too like happy and perky. I was Lexi like, like without Lexi, that way you were my selling point. She was. Like, she was the selling this, point. Yeah, this is Lexi. She's so cool. Like you just got to hear what she has to say. And like I love Jay. Like Jay reminds me of my really one of my really close friends. So like. I immediately love Jay, but I'm like, wow, like what a powerhouse. I'd, I'd never seen that before. I'd been to <clears throat> a lot of recovery meetings. I went to a men's only meeting close to me in Utah. I went to an outpatient recovery program. They incorporated, you know, wives and things in the first block of that. But at, in the actual sharing meeting, I'd never seen like husband, wife together. And, and, and especially somebody who they both like love each other and had a positive story. Like, like Lexi telling her story, I'm like, wow. Most and I, of the wives yeah. that I know are like they're they're deeply hurt. Right. You know? I had like only been happy. to I had only been to meetings with other women who wanted to just like kind Slither. of have like a <laughs> have yeah. like a crap fest of like let's just throw all of our garbage into the center and burn it all together. Like that's kind of what most support meetings that I had been to were like. I mean, and I think it's hard because it's like what you talked about earlier, where you isolate and as a wife, like you're Oftentimes you're carrying the burden by yourself. You don't mm-hmm. want everyone to hate your husband. So yeah. you're just kind of sucking it up and bearing it all alone. And then I think people get in a meeting like that and they just have to get it out yeah. because they haven't had that opportunity yet. And so, but I would leave feeling worse, like feeling more angry usually. Because you didn't see, you didn't see. Like, I'd come home at. and be like, yeah. now I'm not only mad at you for all your crap, <laughs> but now I hate you and I hate every man because like of the all guy. these other men that are, yeah. you know what I mean? And then, um, <laughs> But my first experience going to a meeting with you guys was like, the first time I heard Lexi talk and was around her, I was like, no, she's just too happy. There's no way she's gone through what I went through. Um, but you can't, you can't stay mad at Lexi for very long. She's just amazing. <laughs> and everyone loves her. And, and she started to give me that hope of like, okay, if this works for them, like maybe it can work for us. So anyway, I mean, that's just kind of on a personal note, but so I, I want to hear from you guys how the steps have affected your marriage and how, like, how, they, how you still use them now. Well, I think for me personally, for me personally, I think it was so important for me to do the 12 steps. So originally, I did go there because obviously Jay had an addiction and it was all about him and working through the 12 steps and keeping him sober. And the first couple of years were just kind of like, okay. He's sober. And then like and he would get his, he got his first year chip and I'm like, oh wow, he's still sober. Second year chip. Oh my gosh. Like for doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And by the third year came around, it was like, 
I feel like we had gotten into a pretty good rhythm, but I also still felt like for me, like every time we would do step four, which is doing an inventory of your life, I just felt like this thing just like hanging over me, just stuff that I grew up with. I didn't have like a typical Mormon like upbringing. I I had had a, a past myself. And so I just kind of felt like this stuff nagging at me every time we did a step four. And I finally... Mean read a step four. Like yeah, meeting. sorry. Read a step four in a meeting. So that's where you're like in a meeting, you're going over step four, you're reading it, and then everybody's sharing about that step. And so I finally decided, like I knew the spirit had been telling me for a while to do the steps myself, but it wasn't probably around till year three, maybe three and a half that I was like, okay, I'm going to get a sponsor. And so I got a sponsor and I started doing the 12 steps. And that's where for me, like everything changed because now it wasn't like I was going to this meeting with Jay. It was literally like Jay was going for himself and he's talking about his addiction. And now I'm going for myself and like everything I needed to work through. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even so much like, yeah, there was like a, like there was resentments from his addiction and stuff like that, but it was more for just like myself and the things that I needed to overcome. And so I think for me, that like was a huge eye opener because when I met with my sponsor and when I did my step four, which was another wife that wasn't an addict. But yeah, she so. wasn't an addict, just another wife. I realized like I had been playing a victim role my whole life. And even I could see now, like even in Jay's addiction that I was being the victim, it was like, oh, he's the addict and he's the crazy one. And I'm over here just like doing nothing and I can't do anything about it. But hey, I wasn't even like speaking up for myself. Mm-hmm. Like how, how's he supposed to know what he's doing is wrong when like every time we're getting in a fight, whether or not he's high or not, like I'm acting like I don't have a choice. And so for me, I realized like, and Corinne, you've talked about this too, where it's like, you have to be happy with yourself and nobody around you can do that for you. Like right. you can't be reacting to everybody's stuff. Like you have, like if something happens to you, you have to be the bigger person to be like, you know what? I'm either going to let that eat at me mm-hmm. or I'm going to choose to like move forward. And so for me, that I think has been the biggest play for our marriage because it's like, now I realize I'm not the victim anymore. So like if me and Jay are in a fight and maybe he's being a little bulldozy or whatever, and I'm not feeling like I have a voice and I'm like, Oh, I'm over here. Me, I don't have a voice. I'm like, actually I do have a voice and I'm choosing not to use it. So I think for me, that was like where the biggest thing came in because I think in our marriage, that's where I feel like failed every time that I just didn't have a voice. Hmm. Like I felt like, you know, whatever my opinion was, it didn't matter. And a half the time I wasn't sharing it, but still in my mind, you know, cause then like in your mind, so it fun. starts. Yeah. You start like playing all these tapes in your mind, like, oh, well, I'm nothing. And I don't have an opinion. And like, I just kept shrinking smaller and smaller. So by me doing the 12 steps, I was really able to like truly find myself again. And so now when me and Jay do have like issues, if we're fighting about something or coming to disagreement, because let's be clear here, like me and Jay are completely different in every way. Like he's yeah. the yin, I am the yang. Like there is, there is nothing <laughs> is that so we true. can like really agree on. So like if there are listeners going like, oh, well their marriage is, no. They just sound so perfect. No, it's not like that. Like we're perfect for each other we're completely different. Yeah. Like he's like always voicing everything and all of his feelings all the time. And he's kind of emotional and crazy <laughs> and all that stuff. Like he's kind of more like the girl sure. and I'm kind of more like, 
the stable one. Yeah, I'm just like handling that. everything. And maybe I'm not like, you know, I'm just kind of taking it all. I'm like, it's cool. It's cool. Like, I'm just trying to be the cool one all the time. But so I've had to learn to like not be a victim and to like truly let things go. Yeah. Well, and not let what, it like eat at me. Here's what I think is really cool about what you're saying, how the 12 steps helped you. And I, I'm sure it's just on my mind because I did a, a sixth step with somebody last night with a, a girl that I sponsor. But I think specifically with like that step six and seven where you like dig out your character weaknesses yes. and then you refine yourself mm-hmm. through that like refiner's fire of doing the steps. Like you and I don't have the same problem. <laughs> like I have too much to say all the time. But I unlike what you were saying, like I had just thick layers of resentment and anger and hurt that I was like, I think I will carry these around for the rest of my life. And doing the steps freed me from that. Doing the steps for you freed you from the victim mentality. So Mm. I think that the point is like, it doesn't really matter what your character weaknesses are that are holding you back from having a beautiful, full marriage, like an amazing relationship with your spouse. That's what everybody wants. And that when you do these steps and you take personal accountability for whatever it is that you're lacking, it allows you to become the person that you were meant to be totally. so that you and your spouse can be like the full version of More yourself. More synchronized. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think too, like for me, so it's hard, I think, when you do have couples with addiction because it's like whoever is the, who's ever playing like the addict role, it's like the other person or the loved one is like, oh, well, I just look so much better than this person because this person over here is like committing all these sins or doing all these bad things. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like not Poor doing, me. yeah, I'm not doing those things. Yep. So for me, any person, any person listening can go on the internet and look up a 12 step, the 12 steps and go to step four. And there's an inventory packet that you do. And in that inventory packet, there's a list of character defects. And that was the first time when I did that. And you have to check off all your character weaknesses. So mine's like lazy. Mine is, you know, I'm silent. I don't speak my mind. There's all these different things that I was marking off. And you do it and you're like, oh, damn. Yeah, sometimes I lie. Whatever these things that I'm marking off, it's just like, oh, yeah, guess what? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's it's nothing to do with Jay. It's something to do with that person. It is everything to do with you and now what you can like work on. It gives you something to work through. And that's what our counselor said to us when we first got together. You know, back to your question about like, what is, how does this help you in your current marriage? He said to us right off the bat when we got back together, you're trying to parent him and he's trying to control you. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're his mom. You're cleaning up after him 24 seven because that's what he's used to. And you, and then he is just running the show all the time. Let's be the actor and the director, right? Like most addicts, right? And he said, why don't you guys try not trying to control each other? Why don't you, you work on your craziness? And he literally said this to us. He's so blunt. It was amazing. Yeah. It was perfect. It was like exactly. But we were, we were in a place where I doubt he would have said that if he could sense that we had walls up. But we were like, <laughs> please help us. Like, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. Like, we're ready to be back together. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like, you're nuts. When he pointed to me and he said to her, like, stop trying to control. Like, you just need to work on you. And like, dude, we went away from that one meeting going, uh, and it, it has been, a, it's, we're not even close, but when I think about when you ask that question, like where we're at today, when we fight or when we argue, or when I say something completely obnoxious, stupid, bulldozing, you know, rude, demeaning, all these things where I used to say and not even think within seconds now, I know I need to apologize. The spirit tells me because step 10 is 
when you're wrong, promptly admit it, right? Like, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and take an inventory of your day and how you're treating people and apologizing where not only did I not think I was wrong, but even if I did, I'm not going to apologize to you. Are you kidding? That gives you power. Now I'm like, I can't even live with that anymore. And so we, we don't parent each other. Like we still, I guarantee she can write you a checklist of the things that she would wish I was versus <laughs> who I am. And I could do the same, but we don't, we've realized, I think we finally matured enough to know that like that will never work. Like that's, I'm not, I'm, there's never going to be a, let me hand you my list and you hand me yours. And let's go work on this. Like, uh, we're, and it can be, it can, it can be hard. It, it makes it easier when you're both working a program totally. when you're both in this, yeah. but we both, I think, you know, she lets me figure myself out and I let her figure herself out. And it always, it's, we're six and a half years in now and it seems to work that way. And it, don't get me wrong. There is times where it's like, Hey, she'll, Hey, listen, I've seen you isolate for the last few days. Like it's time for you. Why don't you get up and go do something? You know, why don't you call someone or this, that, and the other. So we'll still like, you know, I'll say something to hurt. Like, you know, when's the last time you registered, you know, these types of things. And, um, so there's little nudging, but there's no more controlling. Like, Hey, you need to read your scripture. When's the last time you read your scriptures? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you, yeah, yeah. you know what you, you, I, you know, when are you going to call your sponsor? Like none of that. It's yeah. more like, Hey, I noticed this. I just want to point this out. I love you. You know, I love you. But whatever you want, you know, what, and we're like, we become best friends again. Like, and, so which cool. means if you're best friends, you're going to argue. Like, you're spending <laughs> all the time together, but you're going to apologize when you hear each other's feelings because you care. Because you're yeah. best friends. And you want your best friend to have pain. And that has changed our marriage, too. What do you, I mean, what are your thoughts, Neil? Yeah, you have I'm like, no, I don't have, I'm just like, this is so fantastic that I'm like, I don't, I don't have much to add to it <laughs> other than just what's already been said, really. I mean, I think. For us, you know, similar experience with Corinne going and the experiences she had with ARP, but also just 12 steps in our marriage, I think um, that was the big difference for us. I think Corinne came to me and just said, look, whatever you do, it's on you. And I knew what she meant and I knew it wasn't in a spiteful way, but it was like it was all on me to fix myself. Um, through through the 12 steps for the atonement and that, that or not. New power or not or, or, or whatever. And I, and I chose to work the steps and then she worked her own program. And I think that is, was such a turning point Mm -hmm. in our relationship. That's where major change began to happen and where I think we both began to heal and we both like our, our marriage began to heal. Like the relationship began to heal and we both got closer. And, and I, I look at where we are now and we're so much closer that i would say this is the closest we've ever been ever. i think i think ever i and think our relationship's in a better point now and i think that this is something that totally. people might be kind of like oh i don't even know how that's possible but you know totally. when you're yeah. well, well not only that but like when when like we you both did at one point, all of us. Yeah. but when you like meet and you have that you're like so in love and you just think that you're soulmates <laughs> oh, yeah. and you have it all figured out you're never gonna like and then like i think marriage gets hard a few years down the road and then you look back and you're like oh it's never gonna be like that yeah, ever again totally. you know what i'm kind of like i keep looking at million i keep going oh, oh in like six to nine months like we're not gonna be this good of friends <laughs> like you know what i mean like because just little babies are so innocent and sweet totally. and they can do no wrong they can't like Mm-hmm. Back talk you. Yeah, like, they can't back talk yeah. you or like slam a door in your face or do, you know, the like obnoxious things that little kids do. <laughs> but I agree with what Neil's saying about like your marriage can be even better than it was in that like Twitter pated, like lustful state of like mm-hmm. we're in love and we're going to get married. Because once you work through these hard things and you're your own whole person coming together, it's just such a cool thing and i and especially i just think 
the way that ARP, the 12 steps in ARP walk you through the atonement of Jesus Christ and you use that to heal everything that's broken about yourself, about your marriage, about other relationships that you have with other people in your life. It just, it's, it's miraculous. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I think that, and that's been our, our experience, my experience. And I think one thing that I've, you know, a key word that I've I heard kind of a, an old timer in a meeting say one time, um, you know, he's like, it's all about humility. Mm-hmm. He's like, it, it's just, everything comes down to humility. And I think that through work in the 12 steps, that's something that I, it's a quality that I notice. one, a quality that I lack, but that I notice that people who, who catch on and really work the steps, they develop the ability to, and the, and, and the, the ability to self-govern. And I think that the steps demand that in such a way to where you really have to look at it and be like, you know, where am I wrong here? Yeah. And, and I think in a marriage, that's just vital. Um, because w- those arguments happen, they come up all the time. We still fight. Karen and I <laughs> no, still argue. Of course. <laughs> Sometimes cookie dough is taken out of the fridge <laughs> and eaten. Oh, I really was going to stab him with and, a fork the but, other day. You know, and and worse. But but I think that in those moments, I think when you're, we're both on the same page about what we're doing and the approach that we're taking to our marriage via step ten, mm-hmm. it, it requires us to it requires me to stop and look at it and be like, you know what. In regardless of what happened in the situation, what she did, where am I wrong? Mm-hmm. And then apologize immediately for that and nothing else. Yeah. And not like a, hey, I did this because you were being so blah, 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 blah yeah. here. I'm sorry I you did know, this, but I'm sorry like, that, you do I'm this, sorry that you're so, so foolish that you, but if you wouldn't you're like, this. you're going to take offense <laughs> to me and my, you know, blah, 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 you know, and so it takes that out of it. And it's like, look, man, hey, this is, this is where I'm wrong. Look, man. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, hey, dude. And you're, no, and you're no longer like doing the like, I mean, if you're a couple listening to this right now, once again, you're going, okay, you guys are all crazy because my marriage is on the, you know, we don't even talk. We're sleeping on the other side of the house. Remember what we just said. We were all, both of us. Yeah. You guys weren't separated, but physically, but spirit, spiritually and mentally is the same difference. Yeah. Like well, we, we were we, just as separated as living together. You can be just as separated. Yeah. When we moved to, yeah. to California, I had just, we had just gone through, like I had kicked Neil out for the first time because I was so angry with him for one of the Oh, you could feel it. it was, so, what I'm saying is when you walked yeah. in the room, your first ARP, it was as if you had been separated. Like you could feel it. It just as we could feel it when we first got by, you know what I mean? Like you can, and now nine of us, what I'm saying is, we no longer kick each other when our spouse is down. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was such a way of living. It's hard to remember that. The only time we remember it is when we talk about it or mm-hmm. when we see a young couple come into the ARP, right? You guys are working yes. with a couple, you're interviewing someone and you're sponsoring someone and we'll look at each other and go, gosh, remember, remember what it was like that? Yeah. 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 Like, remember what it was like to like exploit each other's weaknesses? Yes. Like what type of best friend does that? Or just like, or, like the like, disgust that Lexi was talking about yeah. or maybe you were right. like that, that like look. Mm-hmm. I remember just feeling that all the time. Like, I yeah. just, I don't even like being in the same room as you because I'm so disgusted yeah. with how you think it's okay to hurt people. Yeah. And like, you think it's okay to just like lie to me. Yeah. I was so tired of that. And I just felt like, kind of like what Lexi said too, when you said, I just kind of felt like this is my lot and I married into this. And I, I'm, that's totally how I and felt so many too. couples I, are like that. Like yeah. there's, they're guaranteed there's someone listening to this right now. They're going, it's never going to change. And what am I going to do? Leave. And then I'm going to be a single parent. Like, okay, I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to. We know, we know couples like this that are mm-hmm. sleeping on the other side of the house or not even in the same house, 
or would they go to church together on Sunday together and pretend like it's still together? <laughs> or not... even for me and y'all, it was like we were like roommates. We yeah, would just like tolerate saying. each other. You just yeah, like yeah, live yeah. in the house yeah. together. And who wins? Who wins? Everyone's losing at that point. And like what we're all saying is because of these steps, because of step 10, because when you get through one through nine, it's all about you and your past, right? And and harming other people. But from 10, 11, it's about how you're going to, how you're going to live this new Christ-like life, right? Well, we call it sobriety, right? Recovery. But reality is it's how are you going to keep the atonement working in your life for the rest of your life? How is it going to continue to have better relationships? How are you going to continue to maintain these relationships if you salvage some of them from the past? Mm-hmm. And um, step 10 allows you to stop, like you said, every relationship. And when you treat other people this way, of course, you're going to naturally do it with your spouse and more. And um, when, like we both said, um, you know, so if you're listening to this and you're, your spouse, you, you're, you know your spouse isn't ready. You know, you just know they're not. You've had these discussions. They don't want to do therapy. You can be ready. Yeah. We just talked about how one of yeah. us in this, in both of our relationships, both couples, someone led the way. Yeah. Right? And, and led the way because of everything falling apart or whatever. It didn't matter. Someone started it first and then the other one followed because it worked. And it's not because we told the other one to do it. Um, we tried that and it doesn't work. I, I tried to tell Lexi to do it. It didn't work. So I just said, all right, you'll do them when you do them. And then she did. And it worked. Because people are... People change because of real change. It's like when you guys walked in the meeting, how you felt about us at times. You're like, oh, these, there's no way these people can be as sick as we were because they're so happy. That's how I felt when I walked in the room. There's no way these people can be addicts if they're, they're smiling. I'm miserable. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But when, when people can see consistent change and they see you each week and you're like, oh, no, this is not fading. Yeah. These people really are happy. Like, this is not a show. Like I've talked And then to you all- hear the shares and, and they sh- share about yeah. like their past and you're uh, like, whoa, well, this person like actually has been stuff. through like yeah. crazy stuff. And yeah, we even just like you guys, you, you have, there's no way we could both sit here and share all the details of pain and horror stories. But the point is, both of us are going to go to bed tonight next to our spouse, loving them and knowing that they're not perfect, knowing we're not perfect, and knowing that we have a lifetime to now we have tools, like we're saying, step 10. We have a, a lot of tools, but step 10, especially um, to maintain a relationship and to build upon the relationship and to find new ways to get better and, and to find new things. If we just held on to how we recovered six years ago, where would we be? Every year we're trying to find a better way to be together, not just for ourselves, but with each other. How can we be better? How can we follow the spirit more closely? How can I, what does God want from us this year? Yeah. We've already today, done a lot. Like, yeah, what's today? This, yeah, what, am I, what am I doing right now? And I, we wouldn't be having these self-reflections if we didn't go to a meeting still, both of weekly. us, both got weekly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right? None of us think, but there's a lot of people I'm realizing secularly, sec, outside the church that when they, they get sober, they disappear. They don't go to meetings. They're like, I'm recovered or my marriage is back. Why would I go to counseling? Yeah. It's the same reason why you take your car and you get an oil change every certain amount of miles. We need to go weekly at least, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. And when we do, life just works itself out like so much better. Because we're plugging in, we're helping other people, and um, you know we're doing stuff like this. You know, you, you know, with this podcast, our podcast, talking with people, step work, church, kids. We have a lifetime of uh, opportunity to apply the steps. Yeah, and on that note, I can't believe we forgot to shout that out in the beginning. So Neil and I have both been on Jay's podcast, and which is oh yeah, we pull that up. Boom, the Quick next step podcast. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a specific term that oh, I would just okay. call it. It's so uh, the the podcast is actually twelve steps to change dot com. It's on all the major podcasts, and then on Facebook it's twelve steps to change, and then on Instagram it's the next step podcast with dashes in between. And yeah, the podcast is done by a guy that we do the meeting with, as you guys know, and you guys have been on, and 
it was so amazing because you guys have you have this this your life's out in the open prior to like you know you talk about anonymity right like you have this business this life this everything is out in the open and for you for it was such a huge testimony like we we did it but like we we did it because like that's what we felt it but you guys did it and like the the amount of people reaching out like Lexi just is not sponsoring a girl a lady because of whose spouse is not ready to get sober because they followed your business and and then and then heard your podcast you know like just breaking anonymity saves lives yeah Christ said it hands down if you take the light and you put it under a bush not only will it not light the world but you're probably going to light that bush on fire and it's not going to work it's going to burn out <laughs> right like yeah. think about that you guys for many lot longer than us yeah you were trying all sorts of things out there in the world you guys already shared this on the podcast i've heard it and and you finally find it you work it you figure it out it works and then boom you're like within a short period of time all right you know so many people go i'm gonna, never going to share that because that could affect business or it can affect my relationships or it can affect all these things instead you plug in and now you're sitting here in front of two microphones and you're telling the entire world <laughs> that like guess what i'm real just as real as you are christ is real too and we can all change and now a few you know within a few weeks and months people just are starting to reach out we've i know probably 10 15 people just locally that they walked into a meeting and they thought that they were the wife specifically, they were the only ones and they had followed your Instagram, not just before you had broken in. Mm-hmm. And then, or maybe they you did and they just didn't see it. And then all of a sudden they showed up in the meeting and you guys were there. And it was like that, that girl was just like, I remember this one wife. She's just like, is that bitch? Yeah. She literally <laughs> came to us. It's like, is that, or is that who I think it is? Like, oh my gosh, that made that woman feel like she can do it. Yeah. yeah. That's powerful. One well, dude, really for me where that came from was you because i watched you go through that process i mean we you know we went to the meeting and got to know you guys and then i remember when you kind of talked a lot about that they're like look man i'm just i'm over it i'm i'm, I'm over there's no reason to have an be anonymous about this yeah there's so many dying. people like we can we need to help people yeah. and and that just freaked me out because i remember yeah, a lot like of time that. in my life i'm like dude i'd rather die a thousand <laughs> deaths than <laughs> didn't tell, tell anybody and so watching you do that, and then we had a lot of conversations about it yeah. and, and yeah. you know, how to work that out in my own recovery and maintain my own recovery while sharing the message. And so that's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you have to, you still, like, I still have to be on top of my game with, yeah. with my recovery and sharing the message. But, you know, but yeah, that's really, I look at it. The reason why we have what we have is because somebody else mm-hmm. did, you know, shared the message. Freely gave it. We, they freely gave what what we were you know so it's we you know become behooves us to freely give what we were freely given mm-hmm. in the first place I'm trying to drop something i don't know something my father-in-law would say <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, anyway that's, good. that's powerful no i love it this is this is how this works this is how the yeah. gospel works remember we can think of many stories that the, when the savior when he when he would teach and heal these men and, and women and people and, and when he, go and do what you see me do and he told yeah. the 12 disciples once he came back, he said, you're going to do way more than what you've seen me do, right? And and how are they going to do it? They're going to go by telling the message, sharing the story, glad tidings of great joy, not hiding it, not going, showing up on Sunday. Now now you're really a power couple and no one knows. You know, this is like our secret. This is how we're so happy. You know, telling everyone, this is, this is what we went through. If you're in the same room and you're going through this, call me. Mm-hmm. Listen to this podcast. Send us an email. Send you an email. Get them connected with us. 
if you've listened to this and you think your spouse is an opiate drug addict degenerate like I was and you think that he may resonate please reach out to friend you know please they'll pass numbers along this is why I we know for a fact we were put on this earth to go through these trials and we were saved and we are obligated my sobriety I will lose everything that I've regained and I'll, I'll I won't lose my existence if we don't do this and we, that's how we feel about this and I know you guys feel the same and um we're just we're so grateful to be here and to be able to share this and um, we don't talk about this, you know, we don't get that in depth about our story. That's why we get emotional. And, uh, but, uh, we're grateful to have the opportunity and I'm just grateful to be alive with my wife and to have her not feel those way. That way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Well, thanks you guys for sharing your wisdom, sharing, awesome. yeah, sharing your story and helping a lot of people out. I remember, I mean, just on one last note too, we've said this before, but I remember being that wife that would like look things up, try to find anything. I would like get on Google, try to look for stories, try to look for someone who sounded like they had the same thing as me who could offer a little bit of hope. And I couldn't find anything. All I found were, were like horror stories and people <laughs> yeah. saying, you know, horrible, awful things. Cause the internet can be kind of a dumping yeah, ground, totally. you know? And so just the fact that we, have the opportunity to try to give somebody hope. I always say like, if, if this reaches one person, if there's one person who, you know, decides to give it one more go with their spouse or they try to go to a meeting or they reach out for help. And like, that's all, that's all we need yeah. is to know that like one person got some help. I feel like this. for me, like, especially when I'm sponsoring people or when I'm facilitating like the spouse meeting, I feel like some wives don't understand, but I'm like, it's not about you. Because I think as a loved one, you just feel all that hurt and all this, you know, you just have so much stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But I love to tell them that because like now that I realize, like now that we we actually have found recovery, it's like not about us. It's always about the newcomers, the people that are in it still struggling that are just like, like what you're saying, they they are just looking for anything, anything. to put them out of their misery just yep. a little bit. And it's like, I'm trying to get these people to see that it's like, it's not about you. It's like about getting that recovery and sharing it yep. with other people. Yeah. And it's crazy too, like how you, when you start sponsoring people, like now when I sponsor people, it's like, it affects me. I feel like more than I'm affecting them. Like I remember some of my character weaknesses when I go through these steps or when I'm helping them, it's like so amazing to like fill the spirit and witness to me other things that I need to work on. It's like a continuous program. That's why it's so amazing. Yeah. And that's why like step 12 is so awesome because it's like you're constantly learning when you're giving it away. Yeah. And that's, I remember James saying that in the San Clemente meeting too, like, you need to get yourself sober. You need to do the steps. First, take care of yourself. Yeah. And, and then, then and then you need to go. It's work. Like, you need to go help people. You need to go save people's this lives. This is why you put Marie yeah. used to yell at us. It's all four of us. Do it, like, Jay. Do it. Let's hear it. Hey, 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 listen, listen. This is what you need to do. First things first, you need to get yourself sober. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And when you get to 12, you're at the highest mountain. And then you go out and you share it with other people. That's why you're here. Anyway. And then you'd also <laughs> say that you're a miracle. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you look at every one of us in the meeting because it was only a few people at the time, right? And you'd be like, "You're a miracle." You're, you know. And he meant it because it. And the longer, and I used to think that stuff was so cheesy in the beginning because I was so <laughs> stupid and young, and like, and now I'm now being into the in the you know trenches with you guys and everyone else doing this. You're like, oh no, this is a miracle because we've it's all now seen the couples uh, yeah. walk in and walk out. 
Yep. And the guys who walk in and they, they don't come back or the, you know, we've seen relapses in our local meetings just recently. And you realize like, okay, this, you are, we're a miracle to have, to, to surrender, like to have the spirit tell you enough's enough. Like, and for us to choose it, that's a freaking miracle. And it proves to me that there is a God, there's a spirit and the atonement works because how can you, how can guys like me and Neil, how can women who are rightfully been wronged, like both of you, change like really change like there's there's no there's no scientific way to think yeah. there's no <laughs> oh can we answer 12 you know answer, yeah, some yeah. questions in a book because we went to a few meetings when our hearts just changed you're, you're, uh, all these years of pain and now they're gone it's lifted please if there's a christ yeah so, I, was, no, I totally would agree with that thanks you guys so much for doing thanks. this with awesome. us you guys are thank awesome you. we love you yeah we love you too we uh Thanks for having us on. We'd love to have you back on next step podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> do it. Let's happen. do it. Let's All do right. it. Thanks, Thanks you guys. guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 